Sound. Tony Duchesne here. Welcome to episode 130 of Drinks with Tony and my guest, Gabriel Valentine. He's the author of the graphic novel, Digital Lizards of Doom. The winter quarter is finally over at UCLA Extension, and I got all my grades in, and I finally get a break. But, you know, isn't it weird when the pace is really high and our minds, our bodies are like totally adapting to it and just getting deadlines done after deadlines, staying up late at night, waking up early in the morning, grading papers, grading papers, and then it all comes to a stop and the body and brain just fight to not do anything except eat Trader Joe's oven-baked cheese bites with black summer truffle oil and watch too many YouTube videos about the blockchain technology? I'm glad you understand. Hi, I'm Gabriel Valentin, and this is Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show! You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Gabriel Valentin. He's the author of the graphic novel, Digital Lizards of Doom. Gabriel, how's it going? It's going good. What's up? Not much. (laughs) You're, um... Digital Lizards of Doom. This is a graphic novel, but it's even more than that, right? Yeah, so we started off, um, the story started off in my head back in 2000. Uh, At the time, I wanted to produce a graphic novel, but I didn't have the resources or the funding or even, uh, I didn't even really know how to do something like that. I just had the story in my head. So me being a musician, I felt like what was the best way to introduce the world to these characters in a small um, indie independent way that I already was aware of how the world works. So me being me, I was like, let's just make a band for now. And then uh, hopefully, you know, later on down the line i can get some stuff together and we can release the book and the story the way it's it's meant yeah we have this i think 46 song catalog right now that just introduces these characters and has introduced these characters to people and and now um as of last year 2020 we got picked up by clover publishing companies in the world actually and um and now we can introduce the audience to the larger all of these songs and these characters together. I I just love that angle because because you get it. Yeah, what you're doing is you, you got a story in mind. You're like, okay, no, th- and those are the most beautiful things in the world. I got this thing, and no one's going to do anything with it. What do I do to get it out there? Yeah, yeah, I've I've had to experience that a lot. Um, and uh, not even in like a oh, just kind of like I think my ideas are a little weird. Um, I'm a weird person, so sometimes it's hard to get people on board with the things that I want to do. And so I've learned through trial and error that um, if I show them a proof of concept or an idea, or instead of just an idea, um, usually I have pretty good luck with someone being like, oh, hey, look, that's that's super weird, but um, we get what you're trying to do. Yeah, we want to be a part of that. So um, 
I was like, okay, just one thing at a time. And here we are with the book, a whole book series. We have um, seven more of these things coming out. So it's, it's wild. It's so crazy. And this started, uh, when did this start? Did you say 20 years ago? Oh no, uh, 2000, I had the idea in 2013. Okay. Um, our first appearance as Digital Lizards of Doom was 2014, actually February, February 16th, 14th or 16th of 2014 was our first official show as Digital Lizards of Doom. And we had, um, we had Dizzy Doom, which is our, our heroic wizard um and then commander echo which is our evil robot and they were on stage and they had a whole nerf gun battle and um they they had this whole this whole stage performance that we put together and it was at the house of blues in san diego and it was amazing it was incredible so and i i love the concept part of it because i was i was watching a little bit of some of the uh some of the youtube videos of what you guys have done and it, i'm just like oh my god this is like guar but even better it, you know it's <laughs> Guar, but better. Oh my God, you just blew my mind, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, it's, it's um, because you guys are creating, I hope they don't like, come after me for that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, they might chop your head off and then blood will spew into the audience. Wouldn't that be yeah. an honor? <laughs> <laughs> that would be an honor. If they held up a giant, like, Gabriel Valentine puppet and, like, decapitated me and, like, you know, sacrificed me to the Lucifer or something, that'd be, I'd, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it, it, I, I love how our, our um, you know, just who, like who we adore in life where a lot of people may not know who they are. And you're just like, oh no, if I can be, a, you know, if I could, people are like, oh, oh yeah. I want to be on stage with Billie Eilish. And you're like, no, 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 put me in a sweaty room with Guar and I'll be all right, you know. <laughs> Guar, Aquabats, Misfits. Um, I mean, I, I guess everyone knows Iron Maiden at this point, but Iron Maiden too is a huge influence for me. Um, it's it's funny, like I've said this a couple times, and I either I either confuse people or people get it when I say this. But I think D Lod's biggest influences are um, Blink One Eighty Two, Iron Maiden, The Misfits, uh, Tool. Um, Judas Priest, uh, uh, like uh, Queen, and like The Offspring, and that's very fun. It's very rare that someone's like, "Oh yeah, I see what's going on." Like I, I can see all of those things in there. Um, usually, I just get people looking at me like I'm a psychopath. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's like it's the love of music. It's the pushing the boundaries. It's the stage performance. It's the it's the fun upbeat vibes. It's the the lyrical content. It's the expanding your mind. Uh, it's the good vibes, the fun, and then having a stage performance that is bizarre and kind of out there. So um, hopefully, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, people like it. Did, now, uh, now your shows. Uh, did I hear this right? That they were like they were on like Saturday mornings sometimes as a Saturday morning cartoon band situation. Or am I out of my mind? Was I? Did I drop acid? Um, You're looking at me like I just dropped acid. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. So we we said we said that a lot. Like we said we said Saturday morning cartoon show. I don't know. 
I've probably said that phrase more than any other phrase in my entire oh, life. Okay. Um, uh, so we had a we had a series in LA in Hollywood um, called the Digital Lizards of Doom show, and we would we it was every Wednesday night right before uh, Comedy Central. It was filmed at at um, Meltdown Comics in LA oh, in cool. Hollywood. Yeah, and it was right. It was right before um, Comedy Central would do their the Meltdown show, mm-hmm. which was pretty popular for a couple of years. So our show was like that Wednesday right before it, or the every Wednesday right before it, and um, it was kind of cool because we'd get like a lot of the people in there to watch our show that would just like hang out and wait. You know, they didn't give a crap about us, but they were just they were waiting for the the comedy show. So every once in a while, we'd get some people that were like. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we would, we would highlight just pop culture and talk about, um, our favorite things, what's inspiring us, what we're currently working on. You know, um, we talked about Cartoon Network and we try it. We had animators on the show. Sometimes we had, we had, uh, Mr. Ha from, uh, Lincoln Park. Um, uh, we had, uh, some people from Warner Brothers Interactive. We had Jace Hall from IGN and uh, Twin Galaxies. Um, so basically, it was just it was like just a place where we would hang out on a couch and talk about all of the stuff that we love as geeks and nerds, and um, just get it all out and talk about news and whatever was going on. And in that way we would promote what we're working on too like yeah this is why um commander echo represents 1950s 1960s horror this is why dizzy doom represents american indie comics this is why dana deathly represents anime and manga um and so on and so on so we would basically give people like a front row view to the world that we were trying to build and um and just just basically promote our brand and and invite other people to come and share in it with us. Was that in the back room? Because they had that whole podcast area set up in the front, right? Of uh, like, was that the nerd melt? Yeah. Um, and then our what was? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we did. We did nerd melt. We did the nerdist room a couple times. Um, we were in um, uh, nerdist. Did their their uh what was it called their improv class thing uh there for a while we were in that room a couple times um when it when it was really busy though because like no one gave a crap about us except the owners like the owners um shout out to gaston and francisco those guys are my heroes i love those guys um they were the only ones who were like really rooting for us so like if if it was between Comedy Central needed a big space to film an ex- a promo, we got the boot. And then we would just go and, you know, it's like, you you guys can have this little corner with all the old Sega Genesis games and stuff. And we're like, okay. You know, yeah. so <laughs> that's, that's how it worked. But it was fun. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and we were there for that, you know, for any other reason than just to promote what we were doing and, and just uh, remind people about what we love about, about pop culture and this world and comics and music and video games and movies. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun environment. I'm, I was really, 
I was devastated when when we lost uh, meltdown. That was that was a sucky year for sure. Yeah, I I I went there uh, for some shows, mostly comedy shows. I wish I knew about yours because I would have gone and been a fanboy of that too. Uh, but it was just there was just a I just the energy of the place is just it's, oh yeah it's so unique when you're standing in line waiting for waiting for a stand waiting for like a comedy show or whatever with all these comic books around and it's just it, I just I love the the melding of a bunch of different like um things you wouldn't normally see and you know it's just like a backdoor comedy room where yeah and then they got the front and they're and they're 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 filming and doing podcast stuff and then you can buy comics <laughs> and browse comics if you want it's just I, I think it's one of the beauties of Los Angeles I love so much I'm because I came down in 2013, so that's that was just like, wow! Oh, right on, man. My eyes were all opened. Yeah, cool. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to hang out and do something cool with you when I get back up there. I'm normally I'm up there a lot, um, mm -hmm. so I'm in San Diego right now. But um, but yeah, on a normal on a normal schedule, yeah, we got to go get we got to get drinks with Tony, IRL, man. Drinks with Tony, IRL. That's <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. And we'll do some Instagram selfies and it'll just be huge. I can't wait for IRL, man. How's it been? How you been dealing with like not, not doing stuff? I mean, we're almost on a year of just like, uh, Netflix. I mean, that's me. I don't know how you've been. <laughs> oh, Netflix. Netflix is my, uh, is my queen is my regal goddess my eternal lover right now <laughs> netflix is is what's getting me by man um no it's uh yeah it's it's been it's been wild dude it's been weird i i feel like that's such a duh thing to say because i feel like it's been hard for everybody but um but yeah i okay actually there's two things i feel like on one hand it's been um I don't think I'd be able to be performing a lot of shows right now anyways, which is kind of interesting. Um, just because when the publisher picked us up, uh, that it's actually bizarre. The publisher picked us up at the end of March, 2020. So we got picked up right, right as all the COVID stuff was taken off. And, um, and I went right into, I mean, book one, was pretty much finished. Well, actually, book one was finished in my in my mind. But the publisher came in and they made a ton of adjustments um, and and minor changes. So we went back into pre production or back did you, into production. Did you like for those? One. Did you like those notes that the publisher gave you? Were you like, oh man, you're right. You, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, um, for like ninety five percent of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. But they were also super, super rad. So mm -hmm. if they if they said something that I didn't agree with, um, I would just say, "Hey, like, why do you guys want to change that part?" And they would say, "Oh, because this doesn't make sense." And I said, "Well, this is this ties into something that's going to be in book three. And they would say, "Oh, okay." And well, can you explain that a little bit more then? And I'm like, "Sure, easy." And then yeah. and then I'd go back and I'd redraw, you know. So oh, um, like good notes. But, I love good notes from good editors, publishers. <laughs> There's that nothing beats it when you when you get great notes and you're just going, I am with the right team. 
Oh my God, it's just it's beautiful. Yeah, my buddy, um, my buddy Dan Brozo, who actually did the Digital Lizards of Doom live at Meltdown show with me, he was a writer and producer for that show. I was able to bring him in as an editor and producer for the book series. Um, and that just, that was, that was incredible uh, because he's, he's my secret weapon. Um, he never watches any of my press, so um, he's never going to see this probably, but, um, but he really is. He's, he's my secret weapon. I love that guy. I would do anything for that guy. He really figured, he really cares about the story, but he's also my harshest critic. So it's this really cool balance. Like I know if I can impress Dan, I've done something really good because he is, can I curse on this show? Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He is fucking hard to impress. So like, and that's not me trying to pat myself on the back or anything. I'm, yeah. I'm just being dead serious. Like he grills me on this stuff. So, uh, you know, he'll be like, why is this here? What is the intention for this? Why does he say that? At instead of this and why does she go here when she should have gone here because this is what she mentioned so he really makes me just like if anything if nothing else just really make sure i know my own story so i have to like prepare for battle like when i go into a meeting with him um, in a friendly way because we love each other yeah. but um but he's he's great he just really he really makes me hone in on the character's voices he makes sure that each character talks differently um, and actually this ties back into your question because that's, that was what the last year was like for me was, okay, we, the story just existed in my brain. Now it's real. Um, and we're doing it for real. We're doing it with a legitimate company. We're doing it with a budget. We're doing it with uh, a marketing team. So everything has to be tight. So for the last year, um, most of my work has been on the computer writing um you know i'm i'm about to start book four i just cool. wrapped up book three yeah like i just wrapped up book three we're in pre-production for book two and three at the same time now um the publisher wants to release actually i can't say when they're wondering but the publisher what? wants to no wants, one listens to specific... this go ahead say everything fill <laughs> <Still> it all <laughs> um I don't know, I've been yelled at a couple times because I, I I'm a bean spiller, man. But but next year they want to do a, they want to do a couple releases next year. Cool. So they want to double down on a couple things. So so we're kind of stacking them up. Um, but yeah, so it's I it's weird because it has sucked, but at the same time, I don't think I'd be able to play or perform live music right now mm. as it was um, because every time I think I get a, I'm get, about to get a break. I just go back into a writer's room or back into a meeting about um, a product they want to make or a marketing idea they have. And luckily they run everything by me, which is really awesome. And it makes me feel really good about the brand because it's not just my thing anymore. There's other people attached to it, but yet everyone seems to be on board with making sure that the, the integrity of it stays the same and not just turning it into some messed up thing, you know? So, um, but Which yeah, dude, it's, it can easily happen. You know, if you got the wrong people that are just like, 
we oh, yeah. have a we have opinions and and they're dressed in suits and you're just going <laughs> no 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 they just, you know why don't you go create something why don't you go create something really dumb on your time and not do it on my on my stuff yeah i've i've had a couple of those meetings that that have been interesting and um it's i have learned this is what i've learned this past year i don't know jack shit about mm. anything I don't know anything. At any time, anytime I feel like I do know something, I'm just going to remind myself that I don't know shit because, man, I have been slapped around this year, man. Like, oof. Like, every time I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I got this. Like, doing big things. It was just like, burp, burp. just like reminded me, like, no, dude, you're nobody, man. Like, you got you got a lot of stuff to learn, so it's been it's been a trip, man. In in a good way, in a positive way. Like um, I think I have the right attitude for for the journey, so I'm just like I'm just going with it. So is it? There's almost a beauty to realizing we don't know what the hell's going on. It's it's like such a nice place to come from, you know. It's it can, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a relief because then we can go, oh okay, I don't know what's going on, and then I'll work on this project. And this doesn't, who knows what this is, but then, you know, that feeling of not knowing actually kind of opens doors for other things, I feel like. Oh, yeah, totally. I feel like, um, you know, not to keep bringing it back to this, but when book one went back into production, I, you know, my, I had my initial reaction was like, why? Why are we going back into production? It's finished. It's done. Don't you guys like it? I thought I thought you liked it. You don't like it? What's wrong with it? You know, and like all these all these crazy questions, and um, and then I realized, no, it's just it's just part of the refining process. It's it's part of people. Sometimes people want to change things, a to feel like they're a part of it. They wanna they wanna add their influence to it. They also it'll help them changing something will also help them understand it more or um, become closer to it. So, yeah, you know, I had a lot of these preconceived ideas about, um, you know, I've worked in Hollywood for a very long time. Um, so it was like suits and execs and all of this stuff. And, and that stuff is real, it exists. I've, I've had, I could tell you some crazy stories. That's, that's a different, we'll have to do a different podcast about, we'll have to do Gabe's crazy Hollywood stories because man, I got some stuff, but. I want to read um, that book too. Great, Gabe's <laughs> crazy Hollywood stories. Goodness, man, um, and I—I I don't know. I always—I've been very guarded the past couple of years. Like, oh, it's—it's it's mine. I got to hold on to my stuff. But um, some people just want to make cool shit too. Mm -hmm. I've learned that, and it's—it's it's been really refreshing. Um, you know, I—I I got jaded there for a little while. You know, I was still doing stuff, but I got jaded for a little bit, and then. I've kind of come back to a really nice calming place. Like, you know what, like what you're saying, no one knows what's going on. Yeah. No one knows what's going on. Like we're all just making it up as we go along. So cool. Let me just, and it, it's given me a lot of freedom. It's given me a lot of creative freedom and a lot of creative ideas. And um, it's allowed me to feel more confident when I'm having meetings that otherwise would be very intimidating for mm -hmm. me to have. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a zen place to be in a weird kind of messed up way. 
Yeah, it is. It's uh, I, I think what it I think what it does is it kind of keeps us. There's just that beauty when um, when like especially like if we start writing or we're just starting something like when we're young and we got that fire. We kind of got yeah. the delusion, but we're also amateurs at the same time. And if we could just still kind of tap yeah. that a little bit, where it's just like. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, even though I've been doing it for you know years. You can go back to it and go. It's okay not to know. It's just okay. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. It drives me nuts when people are like, you know, well, you haven't read James Joyce. You don't even know how to write. Then I don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm like, what? No. I... <laughs> but James Joyce sounds like a good fella. Is he alive? Can I talk to him? Oh, okay. He's dead. All right. Well, I'll still read him. You know. <laughs> And the thing is, too, um, I've had a lot of mentors in the music scene, um, and I'm starting to get mentors in the writing scene. I, I have had mentors in the writing scene, but um, they're, but I don't know. There's they're more like peers, I guess. Um, and I'm starting to find my mentors in the writing scene, which has been really cool. But in the music scene. Um, one of my favorite mentors was Jeff Forrest. Um, he's a, he produced the first couple Blink records and he did As I Lay Dying and Atreyu and Pierce the Veil and a lot of pop punk stuff and, um, and metal stuff. And one of the things he told me, I remember having this whole conversation with him one time about whether, and this was years ago, I met him when I was 18 years old. And so this was uh, 11 years ago. Um, and I asked him, I said, what, like, should I learn music? Well, that, you know, it was just a random question. It was just like, I want my music to get better. Should I learn how to read music? And he goes, how would that help you? And I said, well, if I can understand music better, I can write better songs. He's like, I like your songs. And I was like, well, but I could write better ones if I, if I learn how to read music. And he goes, why? And I'm like, because um, <laughs> smart people know how to read music. And he goes like, you know, just expose yourself to more art. He's like, and he, and he told me, he goes, there's certain people who I think should read, know how to read music. And there are certain people who I think should not know how to read music. And he's like, you're the type of person, you get hung up on rules a lot, you know, talking to me. He's like, you, you want to know the rules. You get hung up on rules and you, you, let them, you let them put you in a box. He's like, I think you're the last person who should ever go and learn how to read music. He's like, I think you could just, should just keep making weird stuff. And if it's good, it's good. If it's not, I'll let you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, and um, I still go back and forth, you know, I'm getting older now. So I'm kind of like, I, I think about it from time to time, but, um, and by this point, I do know how to read, you know, basic uh, sheet music and, and tablatures and, and things like that, but, um, and piano scores and such, but it was just, it blew my mind because it was like, I had this whole wall built up for myself. Like I had no business being here. I had no business making an album or a song. Um, 
I had to I had to go read the James Joyce book before I could become worthy enough, you know. And I had all these people telling me that too, like your music can't be good yet if you didn't if you don't know this or you don't do that. And I believe it. And I was just like, oh, I guess they're right. I guess my music can't be good enough. And then um, and, um, Jeff Forrest just kind of set me straight and was like, nah, I think your music's rad. And, and what the hell do I know? Just, uh, you know, Grammy, <laughs> Grammy award-winning producer, I guess. So, um, yeah, uh, it was just kind of, uh, kind of an interesting thing. Um, and I've just taken that with me in almost every aspect of life. And for anyone watching who doesn't know me personally or on a personal level, I am not saying I don't need, you know, your ways or whatever, but it's just that just because what your idea that you have is, is kind of weird, doesn't mean it's not good. Doesn't mean it's, it's not bad either. Um, but just try it and refine it and let people in and, and see what happens. And, um, it's just been kind of, it's been a crazy ride, man. It's like all these people telling me, like, I was told I couldn't play guitar. I was uh -huh. told I couldn't play bass. I was told I couldn't write a comic book. I was told I couldn't write. I was told I couldn't, uh, you know, I would never find a publisher, because I wasn't doing it the right way. Uh, it, it, and I, it, I just did it. Yeah. You know, just, I just did it. Did some so, of the people, did some I of don't the people know, man. telling it's, you no kind of put a fire in you and go, oh, yeah, well, watch this. Did you kind of have that inside as well? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It was such a, like, no fuck you, man, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, such a beautiful, um, like, I love the word no. You'll never be able to do that. And then I, I'm like, oh, really? And then that I, I'll get competitive. And you just say, well, let's find out. And, yeah. And it's, it's kind of beautiful what no can inspire you to do, you know? It really, it really is, man. I, I'm not a competitive person. But when somebody tells me no, it really lights this this fire inside of me. We're just like, fuck, you know, I, I didn't even really want to do that anyways, but now I just have to prove them wrong. <laughs> like, I was like already like, you know, 30, 70 on that, but uh, now I have to do it. You know? Yeah. What, what were some of the early bands you're in? You've been in the music scene a lot, yeah? Or before this? Before... Digital Lizards of Doom? Yeah, I, yeah. So I was in a bluegrass band. My first band was a bluegrass band when I was 12 years old. Wow. Um, yeah. I was 12 years old. I played in a bluegrass band. And it, it sucks because I cannot rem remember the name of it. I think we call ourselves um, Cigarettes and Beer. And I think, <laughs> like, but the reason I the reason I can't remember if that's true or not is because I came up with that name and I thought it was really funny, but I'm not sure the other guys ever thought it was funny or if it ever caught on. So like I really don't really I don't really remember what we call ourselves, but I'm pretty sure it was like cigarettes and beer. Um, were, were they older? And than uh, you? we learned we played songs. 
What's that? Were they older than yeah, you? Yeah, uh, they were all, yeah, they were, most of them were in their 50s. Wow. Uh, cool. 50s or 60s. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny, man. It was, it, but it was awesome. Like they were the they were the coolest guys ever. Um, I mean, I was among legends. Like it, it was just it was such a cool experience. And we played songs like Irish Washerwoman and Crawdad River and um, you know the Devil Went Down to Georgia and and stuff like that. And um, and I was only allowed to listen to classical music and a little bit of classic rock growing up. So then I got into bluegrass. Uh, oh, and Celtic music. My my uh, mom is Irish, so we were allowed to listen to a lot of Celtic music in the house. Um, so then, uh, once I got into bluegrass, um, I I kind of discovered bands like Flogging Molly and the Dropkick Murphys, and then I was like, I, that was that was like my gateway drug to bring it to my mom because I was like, Mom, look, this is this is like Celtic music. It's just a lot faster and you know, they, they say bad words from time to time. And, um, and so she was, she was totally okay with me listening to uh, Flogging Molly and Dropkijin, the culture. And <clears throat> so then that was a gateway to punk rock. Um, and, and I got into social distortion and Blink and the Misfits and um, Crass. Um, offspring bad religion uh i mean anti-flag the list just went on and on and on and um and i just started going to shows and i this was also around the time people were telling me i couldn't play guitar and so i was like i was going to these punk rock shows and i was like man most of the guitar players i know play way better than these guys but these guys sound way better and they're like they're sh- they're shredding and they're just playing power chords. I was like, well, I can do that. You know, so I was like, I guess I need to make a punk band. So then I got into punk and um, and it was weird. It was a weird time to get into punk rock. Like I feel like I was born. I feel like I've always been born like like at five years too late or five years too early. It's weird because like yeah. right as I was getting into punk rock, um, like the emo movement got really big because this was like 2003 or four and like all the bands that i wanted to play in they just started they started playing like seosin and um like dashboard confessional stuff and that's and i'm not i'm not harshing on any of that stuff that stuff's great it's, it's good music but but i wanted to play punk rock yeah. So I didn't have any interest in like wearing, you know, like wearing the all the stuff and <laughs> and like playing and playing these songs about like heartbreak and and, and I was like, no man, I want I want to talk about like fucking shit up, you know, like yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about like you know, like and I love the misfits, I love the misfits because of the the fantasy element, like and they're they're to this day one of my favorite bands because. They were, they were able to take that that like just vigorous crazy raw punk sound but then all of their lyrics are fantasy based about you know science fiction movies and horror movies and and demons and witches and so that was like what I what I tried to do and re- recreate and I, I came up with this band called counter launch 
And all of our songs, I mean, you could like listen to our, our catalog. Uh, I think we're still on like pure volume. Remember pure volume when that yeah. was the thing? Yeah. Familiar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were on pure volume and uh, like all of our songs, I mean, you can just like pinpoint, all right, this was stolen from an Iron Maiden track. <laughs> this was stolen from a Misfits track. This was stolen from, um, and yeah, I was never really like an angry person. So I wasn't, you know, as pissed off about the government as my, as my friends were. And I thought that stuff was cool. I love bad religion, but I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know, but I don't know enough about um, George Bush or, you know, Obama to like have an opinion yet. So I'm just going to like sing about demons and wizards and stuff like that. You know? So, so no, um, I was my stuff. band for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's all about like, um, it, it, it kind of drives me crazy when people glom on. I do, I do enjoy bands that are like political and just like get in there, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the old Minor Threat days and everyone against Reagan and all oh, those yeah. years. But, um, but, but that has a that kind of has an expiration date on it if you don't understand it. But if you're getting into True. demons and you're getting into, it's essentially mythology, like this stories that we've been hearing for centuries and centuries where it, those are the stories that can hang on because it's just you know yeah uh, who wants to hear a george bush song now it doesn't mean anything but i want but, <laughs> but i want but i want to hear about a demon you know <laughs> that's like that guy sucked back in 2004 <laughs> yeah it's like who cares and i don't even want to bring you know i mean i agree he sucked but i don't want to bring him into my zeitgeist i don't want to sit there and go you know, I don't want to have a big, yeah. like, George, you know, George Bush sucks tattoo on my arm. It's just like, no, no, you're joining the George Bush <laughs> arm. You're, you're adding that energy to you. Don't do it. Even though it says sucks at the bottom, yeah. you're adding the bad energy. So, oh, I sound like a hippie. Take me, break me out of this. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you're a good, you're a good company, bro. You're a good company. <laughs> well, um. So you start playing out and you start and you, you, you're you're doing music and then that's when you start to go wait a second I got uh with, with with these songs there's more to the story here there's more to the story than the music is that is that how it happened well um so in terms of Dlod that was years later um but I had always been a storyteller like that was the connection for me I was I wanted to write comics even at, a, at an early age, and my uncle got me into comic books and I wanted, you know, him and I would draw comic books when he would come into town. We would just trace the covers together and do oh, cool. lots of fun stuff like that. And um, like, but I sucked at drawing. If I wasn't tracing anything, I couldn't draw. I was just, I was terrible and it broke my heart. It still does. I wish I could draw. Uh, I just can't. And I've accepted that. But um, it's like, I was like, all right, I'm a storyteller though. I can tell these stories. I have these ideas. And then I found music and I was like, whoa, okay. So like I can draw a story with a song. I don't have to, I don't have to use paper. I can use the song to tell the story. So that became a way for me to exercise my creativity and get a lot of my ideas, the ideas in my head out without having to embarrass myself with my terrible stick figure drawings. So that got me by for a long time and so many different bands we, we had a we had a band called smegma for a while 
that was just like this <laughs> terrible like we thought I, it was like during my crust i was trying to be crust punk for a while it was so <laughs> stupid <laughs> it was the stupidest thing ever like but you gotta I try had a place to live and I was you like, can't not try <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like oh i'm like couch surfing i'm a crust punk it was the stupidest <laughs> stupidest thing i've ever done in my life um and uh and then uh we and then counter launch came along and we were touring for a while and i think um we just weren't we had we had some pretty cool success uh on on a small scale uh speaking of Floggy molly their record label at the time side one dummy records started um starting like courting us which was really cool and exciting and then uh we tried to do more tours and just get more involved with the local scene but um you know we were getting tired and um our bass player and our drummer kind of hated each other <laughs> so you know, it was like a classic story and i'm pretty sure they would have killed each other if we would have gone on one more tour um, i'm like 99 percent sure they would yeah it was it was pretty gnarly towards the end and then um and so I was devastated. And then I went back to Jeff Forrest. Uh, this, I was probably 20, uh, 24, 25 at the time. And uh, I said, dude, I'm, I don't know what to do. You know, like we got so far with this band. We toured all over the U.S. And I mean, countless nights and you know, hotels and shows and booking stuff and talking to people all down the drain like what's that about and um and he goes just make something new man just take it with you make something new and i'm like all right so i came up with gabriel valentine because i didn't know what else to call it it was just myself and then uh i did that for a couple years and it just wasn't i i didn't like it it felt empty i missed playing with other people mm -hmm. um and I, I missed having, like, the, the attention was on me too much. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, I realized I really hated that. I, I liked being a part of a band. It was easy to promote your band when you could talk about how good your drummer was and how good your bass player was. You know, I never talked about, I'm a really good singer or I'm a really good guitar player. That, I still don't say that stuff. It's, it sounds weird to me. Yeah. Um, but I like to be able to be like, come see our band because our drummer freaking rips, dude. Like, don't come to see me. Come to see him. <laughs> you know, come yeah. see our keyboard player. You know, they're amazing. So, um, so I was like, all right, it's time to throw in the Gabriel Valentine towel. But, uh, but through that period, I got into electronic music because it was something I could do by myself while emulating this band type vibe by having like a computer being my band essentially yeah. and me just playing guitar and singing. So that gave me the sound that I was looking for, for digital legends of doom. And then I went back, I basically fused those two things together, the Gary Valentine solo project and counter launch together. And I said, all right, um, I want this electronic punk rock bluesy metal band um and we're gonna sing about interesting stuff and i was working on this story at the time which was called digital lizards of doom 
And so I said, you know, I'm just going to use that as a placeholder for now. I'm just going to call it Digital Lizards of Doom and see what happens. And then uh, I'll change the band name later, you know, once like the, I put the book out because that will just totally not make sense. And uh, then, of course, we ended up getting picked up by an Australian record label, um, Noise Cartel Records, in at the end of 2014. And it was like a year into us being a band. And I remember being like, well, this is weird because they just signed Digital Lizards of Doom. So like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, and so they, we started touring a lot with Digital Lizards of Doom. And I had friends come and play different instruments with me and fill in on different songs from time to time. And, and the, the book, the story kind of took a back burner, even though we still had the robot and the lizard coming out on stage and having this interaction. But um, it was like, okay, there's a record label interested in us. They're investing in us. Let's see where this takes us. So then, you know, we went to Australia and Mexico and New Zealand and all over the U S and, um, it was like, okay, cool. Stuff's happening. Stuff's moving. And then, you know, people started asking questions like, Hey, why is it called digital lizards of doom? Hey, why do you have a robot and a lizard on the stage? So then everything came back around full circle and it was like, okay, I think the mechanism worked. I think people understood it was about something else. And now it's time to deliver the book. And that basically brought us into 2020, where I was like, or 2019, technically, when I finished the story, the entire story. And then 2020 was when we actually released the book for the first time. And uh, now do here you, we are. Do you realize Digital Lizards of Doom might not even be here if the bassist and guitarist didn't hate each other's guts? If there was absolute love there... <laughs> There, you may not even be here right now. You may be uh, in that band still, huge, and never have done any. Wow, does that blow your mind? That actually does blow my mind a little bit. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. I never even thought about that before. Actually, I, 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 I just, trip. I love, I love it when you're just when things like that happen, and at the moment you're just like, why can't these guys, you know, something like like your situation. Why can't they just get along? Because we're doing good, and they're just—they're yeah. killing me, man. And then you move on to other things, and all of a sudden, it all comes into place later. And you're like, "I'm so happy!" Like I do these things, so I'm like, "I'm so happy that person really sucked, and I had to get them." It's—if that didn't happen, that would have—that wouldn't have moved me this way. And you know, yeah, it's all—it's it, all a beautiful uh, journey, I guess. It is, man. You now I'm kind of tripping out on that right now because I'm thinking about that, and I'm like. What if we would have signed with Side One Dummy Records? And wow, like that's that's totally insane. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you might have a mansion in the Hollywood Hills right now, but who needs that when you got digital lizards? That's of true. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you got you got the. Did you get a chance to read the book? I read part of it. Yeah, I try not to read too much of stuff so I can come in not asking too many questions about the story itself. You know what I'm saying? But I okay, like to, cool. yeah. yeah cool. I tend to read things after. Good. I even interviewed my friend nice. last week and uh well he's on this week's show. 
and um, he has a new memoir out. But I couldn't read it because I wanted. I, I was like, no, no, I'll ask him too many questions about that. I gotta just yeah. <laughs> stop. Let's get fun. That's hey, Gabriel, cool. thank you so much for coming on the show. Dude, no worries, man. Um, anytime, man. We we should do another one with Hollywood stories. Let, we, we will do Gabe's Hollywood stories. And man. let's do that in person. Uh, Let, let's let's get vaccinated and do it in all person. Right. <laughs> I'm down, man. I'll shoot it up. <laughs> Gabriel Valentine on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book, Digital Lizards of Doom. Stay tuned next week. We have on the show Keith Ross, Keith Rosen. Sorry. He's uh, rescheduled to appear to discuss his new book, Folk Songs for Trauma Surgeons. Do you want to be on Drinks with Tony? Just get your book published. Well, how do I do that? You write a great book. What's the secret to writing a great book? Sitting down, writing every day, day after day, and just doing it. Why not start now? And then, by the time Drinks with Tony airs next week, you'll be seven days into writing your big-time, famous, best-selling book. Do it. Just do it. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.